listening to Skylight, the Skylight Books podcast. Skylight Books is a general interest bookstore in the Los Feliz neighborhood in Los Angeles. You can shop with us from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. or visit us online 24-7 at skylightbooks.com. Follow along at Skylight Books Instagram and Twitter. You can subscribe to the podcast on Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. Thank you for listening, and now on to the episode. Hello, my beautiful and lovely listeners, and welcome to Skylit. This is a Skylight Books podcast, and I'm your host, Lance Morgan. Today, I'm so, so excited to welcome Joan Knuckles Wilson to read from her new book, The Book of Timothy, The Devil, My Brother, and Me, followed by a conversation with the both of us after. Joan Knuckles Wilson is a writer and lawyer, a native of Chicago and a former in uh, a forever learner, she has studied at the Northwestern University, University of California, Berkeley, Lewis and Clark College, and the University of Alaska. She holds a Master's of Fine Arts in Creative Nonfiction, is a Rasmussen Foundation Individual Artist Award winner, and is a member of the Bread Loaf Community of Writers. Her work has appeared in literary journals and audio shows, most recently Cirque and Arctic Entries. She lives with her husband, daughter, and a, I'm going to pronounce this wrong, a Visla named Vivian in Anchorage, Alaska. This is her first book. Joan, welcome. And did I pronounce, did I pronounce Hi, it right? Hi, Lance. Uh, Vishla. Vishla. Very, very Vishla. close. Yeah. I got it. You know, my, is it Russian? Is that a? It's a Hungarian bird Hungarian. dog. Most oh, people oh. know a Weimaraner, which are gray. Vishlas okay. are all shades of rust. They're absolutely Ooh. beautiful. So Ooh, that sounds beautiful. And now I got, yeah. now I got to brush up on my Hungarian. Um, <laughs> to all my listeners, to all my You've, Hungarian listeners yeah. out there, I apologize. <laughs> That's all right. And the only word I know in Hungarian is Vishla. So Vision. there we go. So look at us, <laughs> look at the, the representation, yeah. right? Um, Joan, thank you so much for being on today. I'm so excited. This is going to be such a great conversation. I feel it already. I'm looking forward to it, Lance. I agree well, too. Well, you have a reading for us today, right? Yes. Um, and I think for this reading, it makes sense to start in the beginning. Perfect. So we are going to begin in Rome. April 22nd, 2012, a Sunday. I'm boarding the Leonardo Express, the commuter train from Fumacino Airport to the Termini train station in central Rome. It's four o'clock on a Sunday afternoon, and although it's April, two weeks after Easter, I expect it to be darker outside. This is a distinctive trait of an Alaskan. Despite Despite change in latitude, I still expect darkness everywhere and every time. How did I get to Rome? The simple answer is that it took 38 hours with a layover in Chicago, my birthplace, to gather blessings. Or shall I say curses? And isn't life more complex than the Alaska Airlines Flight 30 to British Airways Flight 4 to Alitalia Flight 110 answer. Don't trips like this really begin 10 years prior, devouring for me my late 30s and making all of the 40s I have lived so far a mess for a healthy relationship of any kind. And my brother, his saga began well before, before he really had a chance, behind a closed door that should have been opened on a twin bed that should have slept one under the watch of St. Michael, who supposedly stood ready to battle. Is it this where tragic stories really begin? Under the theoretical custody of a guardian angel who could not have cared less? Or rather under the watchful eye of a wolf in shepherd's clothing, the one who left the 99 grazing peacefully in the verdant pasture to terrorize 
that's solitary, frightened, honey-made, lost lamb. In the words of the Apostle John, isn't this the true? In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. Start to it all. I don't have to say it here, not yet. You must know what I'm talking about by my use of certain words and images. The angel who missed his mark, the actual meaning of to sin, the closed door, the wolf, did I say with a Roman collar? The small bed and my even smaller brother. You know that story can't be a good one, but what should be picked up in case you might've missed the cues, the illusions, not a sin in this context is the fact that I can't say it, admit it right here from the start. That is also the story. Like so many years ago, I'm on the outside looking in, fearful of what I might see, more fearful of what I might say, even more terrified that I might do nothing. Yet today on the Leonardo Express, I am once again the faithful sister. I'd given up this mantle for a time as well. But after a lawsuit against a priest, a religious order, and an archdiocese that brought no acknowledgement of wrongdoing, and at my brother's simple and complex request, so that no other child may suffer alone, I've made telling my brother's story, Tim's story, my personal mission. In this task, his story has seemingly become my own. And when it comes to me, I know the ending too well. It can only come with confrontation. With the exception of a trained assassin, who better to confront a serial child abuser than me? Please let it be noted, for I see the folly. I am the only one here, not Tim, on a train to an eternal city without the ability to get on with it. I am the lost lamb with a backpack and a computer bag on a pilgrimage to the Congrazione della Passione de Jesu Cristo to find him. The priest brandished to his order's religious headquarters nearly a decade ago. I asked myself then, why would this focus on fathers do I think of my mother? Be careful, child. I can hear her calling. Aboard the Leonardo, I found my window seat, left side vinyl torn, and I've released the backpack and computer bag tethered to the jet lag, my jet lag body. She calls to me again, be careful. As the train leaves the airport grounds, I want her here for my own comfort, no one else's. I open my computer bag, reach inside and feel for the small portfolio of photos I've carried with me. Here are the reminders of the reasons I need to make it home. My husband, Richard, and our four messy dogs, the Chugach Mountains, my Sitka spruce forest of a yard. I pause only briefly at the most important reason, the photograph of my three-year-old daughter, Abby. With her open arms, she's reaching for me, I can tell, but it seems I'm always a foot away, just out of camera range, life range. Even at this moment, mother that I am, I flip past her. I turn needingly to the photo of my mother holding me. In it, Mary Catherine Blackburn Knuckles is just 32, currently 15 years my junior. Her short cropped hair is auburn. She wears a bright wet red poppy colored sweater and I'm cradled within the crook of her elbow. Mouth open, eyes looking to her as she's feeding me. I know from another photo that captures that same sweater, kitchen and mother's touch that this moment occurred at my sister Teresa's third birthday party. So I, a Thursday child, am just over two months old. Despite this, my mother appears to be done nursing me. There's no spoon going in. There is a spoon going into my tiny upturned mouth. The benefits of long-term breastfeeding aside, however, mom looks content as if on this day, I am gloriously all she ever asked for. I note that until my law school graduation, 
33 years in the future, this is the one and only photo I have of solely the two of us. And so for the next 30 minutes, through city outskirts, by cramped, efficient, nameless buildings, across the mud lawn Tiber River. This is how time passes, just she and I, together. Be careful, child. At Termini, I follow the crowd of casual Romans from track 26, and with Chicago City Sense suddenly engaged, I make my way, relatively stress-free, through long corridors and down escalators to the subterranean metro station. I look over the subway map to find my destination. Here it is, in one direction, Rebebia, in the other, my other, his other, Laurentina. This is Linnea Bay, the blue line. Blue, blue means careful child, attento, Perfevere. Blue means petrofino and paralyzed. Blue means anger, revenge, and action loaded upon itself of unadulterated violence. Blue means oxygenless blood. What I may, in fact, be seeking. Is this what I'm seeking? I must be better than a death wish. Remembering the inscription Richard Rodriguez wrote just a year ago in my torn copy of his Days of Obligation, for Joan, learn not to be afraid, St. Ignatius, I willed myself back to contemplative understanding. Blue, blue means coincidence, calm, and courage. Blue means an act of belief, really an act of resolute faith. Blue means the ending, here at the beginning. And I'm soon to learn, in three days' time, from a fresco of the Madonna, here she is, the mother again, beneath the papal apartments, that blue means high holiness, purity even. Wow, that was, I mean, reading it's one thing, but hearing it, you know, is powerful. Just the emotion that you, I could feel it through that. Um, wow. Well, thank you, Joan, for oh, thank you. being on today. How are you? How are you doing today? I am doing just fine. What am I? Uh, may I mention that this is a few days before the book yeah. launch? So, as yes. a first-time real published author, I have every fear and trepidation, but I also have great <laughs> joy. Um, I was talking to a friend of, my, of mine last night and she said to me, how are you? And I said, I'm afraid. And she said, only part of you is afraid. <laughs> the rest that's of you advice. can be joyous. So yeah. yeah, so that's how I'm gonna take the, the time that I'm talking about the book of Timothy and mm -hmm. uh, the, the mission of my brother and me and mm -hmm. uh, the hope that we have for this book and how mm -hmm. it might actually achieve my brother's request no i mean so no other child would suffer and like that's a great answer i think the, especially like okay. your friend that's great advice from your friend too like um only a part of you is afraid and a part of you is always and i think that's great that's right be it's never it's an accomplishment to finish a book like this so yeah. you i mean wow no no matter what, no one could take that away from you, right? <laughs> and this one began, you know, um, after I kind of said that with the lawsuit and the mm -hmm. all these agreements that uh, victims of clergy abuse enter into, mm -hmm. there's a boilerplate, you know, we admit to wrong, no wrongdoing. And that really, mm -hmm. really upset my brother and mm -hmm. understandably so. So when we finished that process and because criminal statutes of limitations blocked criminal prosecution. Mm -hmm. He said, what do we do next? And I said, tell your story. So mm -hmm. that was tw almost 20 years ago, Lance. Wow. It'd be 20 years this April. And like wow. I, I like to say, promises made, promises finally kept. So mm -hmm. um, a lot I mean, in the middle there, uh, but here we are. And, and I feel like that's so, there's, there's a 
just a double-edged sword there with, um, you know, you got to tell a story, but like, you know, so the, the justice of it is just so, so wrong in so many ways. And I, I mean, reading this book, I was like, wow, I, the anger I felt, it was like, do, can I swim to, can I swim to the Vatican right now and just like start <laughs> fighting? Um, just like, you know, it's, it's that anger sometimes. I mean, in I've, if for the past year and a half that I feel like also feel that anger where I just, right. you know, it just, but this is, and, and honestly, before that, before with, um, I mean, this topic is not uh, something that is, new you know what I mean something right. that is just coming out it's it's been around but it's still like you know it seems like the justice pro process in this is just so stretched out and you know yeah you've said that no yeah um it, this the reason my brother came forward is when the boys in Boston finally came forward mm -hmm. he, he realized what happened to them Mm -hmm. happened to him I'm, a part of him mm -hmm. always knew that but people are very good of compartmentalizing yes. um and then i always thought well when is the time for this story you know is it when pope francis became pope is it mm -hmm. i know i don't know what is going on now cardinal mccarrick uh mm -hmm. this report in france of the years of sexual abuse of children there i think mm -hmm. 60 years seven thousand victims it, if that might maybe mm -hmm. more, then I realized there's always going to be a time for this story. It, it, it never ends. And Lance, yeah. I, I promise you sitting here today, it's happening in other parts of the world in yeah. places where Catholicism is just growing, where becoming a priest is a, is a means of power. Yeah. Um, and I have no doubt there's a child in probably East Asia, maybe some parts of Africa, Mm -hmm. And I don't want us to forget that. I, I don't yes. want people to think this is over because bishops in the United States say, you know, we report all abuse. Yeah. Um, the other mm -hmm. thing that's not over is the people within the Catholic Church who try to go to mass, who, who mm -hmm. still try to participate, but a good part of the congregation really wants this to be yesterday's story. Yes. They want it to be yesterday's news. And often, mm -hmm. even when people try to re-engage with their faith, they feel like mm -hmm. they're being swept under their carpet. Yeah. Um, one thing every time I go, which is very, very rare, is there's a, a, a prayer after the, um, the acts of the, after the Apostles' Creed, where the, mm -hmm. you, it's a number of prayers. And the second one is always for the Pope and priest. And I always think, and the third one, at every mass and every church across the world should be for victims of clergy sex abuse, yes. but they won't do it. You know, they, they won't signify mm -hmm. it. And it's, so we have to. We have to. And like one of the things I was telling you before we uh, recorded was that I also come from, uh, I have a background in Catholicism myself, Catholic school for years. And you know, it felt like in that space too, when I, um, we were like looking at the time frame, um, and we're like, I was, you know, one of the first generations to come to be in like a Catholic space hearing about, you know, all of these uh, crimes being committed in the right. Catholic church. And like how I felt like, and one thing I remember from it is like the, the gaslighting and the, you know, the, it felt like a conspiracy of like so many people, deacons who taught me and, you know, a priest in there just trying to like also sleep it on the rug and like make us as like a young, a younger, um, a younger body in the Catholic, uh, in Catholicism, try to like, you know, shape us into not believing this is true and mm. all of this. And I feel like, and I feel like, you know, with, my generation and even the generation younger than me in the connectivity with all of this, it's it's not working. There's so many people I know who are my age who have also been like, you know, raised in Catholicism yeah. who were like, no, this is this is this is bullshit <laughs> to use. You to know, I, that's really interesting that you say that because um, I think about when this priest was in my parish when we were growing up all the children could sense something wrong. Mm -hmm. It was the adults who couldn't. And 
the what you said about you know your teachers in that generation kind of wanting you to forget and oh that's yesterday don't worry and yet mm -hmm. those future generations you included and this one now are like oh i'm not so sure about that yeah. so i think there's a sense of a child um that recognizes that injustice that this mm -hmm. is this this picture isn't reflecting what i'm really seeing and mm. I guess that's encouraging to me. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's encouraging seeing, like it feels, you know, sometimes, some days it feels like, you know, we're not like, there's little progress happening and there's not much movement, but then like something like this, I remember, oh no, there's weird, this, these stories are getting out there and people are mm -hmm. listening and people are believing and younger people are gonna be like, younger people like these teenagers on tiktok i feel like i talk mm -hmm. about them all the time on this podcast because <laughs> they every day astound me every day i'm like what how did they what how did they know this and i didn't where did and it's because they're like they want to be informed they're they're on nice. tiktok making funny videos but they're also making like videos that are educational and videos that are like teaching people how to yes. like think differently about things that we've been taught to think about and things that like have been like you know yeah. not told so yeah and yeah you mentioned you know I, you know we've gone through the history of this we've had the great movie what blind mm -hmm. spot uh, i think this is the oh, time we'll be seeing personal yeah. narratives like like mm -hmm. this one um i hope there's more of them i mean there's in not maybe specifically like spotlight this... not blind spot spotlight. sorry yeah <laughs> no you're spot. good you're good uh, yeah. <laughs> go ahead uh, you're good no there is i mean there are books um, I just last year read Yajasi. Yad I always pronounce your last name wrong. Uh, her book Transcending Kingdom, which I don't know if you've read that one, but I it was about it. like, oh, it's a fantastic book. But it's about like this uh, immigration, this immigrant family looking for um, community through the church. But they're like, it's like the racism they face there. Um, there's another book that was actually given to me by. Um, some uh, professor I had in, uh, in high school when I was in the Catholic church in the Catholic school, and it was a landmark kind than home, and it's like mm -hmm. about like people who are in power in the in um who are like in power and how they how they like are using that power for evil as as a leader of the church and mm -hmm. like how it like small towns kind of rely on this and how like. Yep. You know there are people in the church who like use that power for yeah. their own personal gain and it's just uh there's i know there's so many good right there's i'm so looking many at a book right now called uh, paper cuts by stephen bernard that's another one to put on your list Ooh. of firsthand yeah. stories there's yeah. i mean yeah no there's 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 narratives of good of good and honest honest uh critiques of the church yeah. and it it that i think needs to be talked about can i say this though and you can mm -hmm. um so i'm reading i'm not going to tell you the, the name of the book i'm reading but mm -hmm. i'm reading a book um where this person had a, had a completely different life than mine where mm -hmm. they act exact same age and um you know it was a story of feeling of abandoned and mm -hmm. she says in the book that she doesn't believe in god and i get mm -hmm. that um i could growing up in a family of seven i can tell you every at one point a child is abandoned in a child in a family of seven and it's just going to happen with that many mm -hmm. but the positive thing from my perspective is i never felt alone because mm -hmm. despite what i'm telling in this story i got a strong faith and um I, I just feel blessed to have had that. So while I'm mm -hmm. here to criticize and shine the light, um, I partially can do that because I feel it's my job mm -hmm. and um, somebody wants me to do that. Well, I mean, there's, and there's the separation of um, religion and church, which I think is mm -hmm. so important. I mean, there's, there's, I mean, and with the, like, not to like, this is like in his earlier career and not, to talk about his recent uh his recent uh beliefs and uh publicity but kanye west had a great mm -hmm. song 
the Jesus walks, which talks, which it's, it's, it's talks about like the, how like the church is corrupt and how there's people that like, how like God has, how the church in some ways has abandoned the teachings of God and like God in its essence, because there's so much like hypocrisy and, uh, evil and hypocrisy power and money you know put yes. those three together and i don't care how how good you are um yeah something's gonna get you so no, there's there's so. a separation of i think there needs i mean i feel yeah. like it needs to be talked about the separation between religion and church because yeah at this point it needs to be, maybe there needs to be more of a separation there you know what i mean but um i well, also i think that TikTok generation, like you said, um, if they mm. believe in God, because I hear there's a, a a good portion who don't. I think mm. they're called the nuns. The way I heard it explained, um, they're <laughs> they're the ones to do it. They're the yeah. ones to do it. And I mean, there's and there's um, and even friends of mine who are like you know members of the Catholic Church and members of mm-hmm. uh, just uh, like certain religions. They're very critical of it too. They they are not. Um, they are one not judgmental of people who are um agnostic atheistic mm-hmm. um believe in other religions no and a lot of a lot of friends of mine who are also like they love books too they love reading about other religions because they they they're not trying to close themselves off from it but they also understand the criticisms of the catholic church and are very critical of it and i think that makes for a better community because it's like it's the same thing i think I mean, there's a there's a I think direct relationship between uh, government politics and church politics in the sense of there needs if the people are critical and are watching what's happening, there will be change. Um, yeah, and I, I think, think you've got that. <laughs> and I yeah no, yeah. but I but I mean, and I love this discussion about the church, and I want to go on about it, but I also want to talk about you and let's this go, book. Let's go somewhere else. Let's okay. go somewhere else. Let's, let's, let's have some fun, yeah. you know, change it up. No, I want to, I want to yeah. talk about this book because it's amazing. And you're, I mean, when I first, when I first read up on this book and I first heard about this book, the first word that came to mind, and please tell me if I'm wrong. And it's only because I also feel like this would be a reaction I would have in this scenario but the first thing that came to mind was revenge in a way is very is, good <laughs> yeah. I I and I I just it's because like that's how I would I'd be like I'd want to burn it down I'd want right. to burn down the the everything that man touched I would want to burn down that's a wonderful and, word yeah yeah and could you it was that anywhere in your mind could I expand on that yes please. yeah so um I didn't say it in the prologue but I've spent a portion of my career as a criminal prosecutor Mm -hmm. so I went to Rome having that in my history Mm -hmm. with a plan of how to kill this man and I took great pleasure in it I took Mm -hmm. great pleasure in the plan Mm-hmm. I also, um, should I, well, the fact I'm sitting here in Alaska probably tells you <laughs> that, that I'm, and that I'm not in prison probably yeah. tells you my ultimate choice, yeah. but, um, I could, I, I could picture the entire case against me, you know, mm-hmm. what would happen from the moment I did it, where I would be taken, the, the kind mm-hmm. of questioning I would get, um, mm-hmm. the evidence they would be able to find of my crime. It, mm-hmm. it, you know, and how they would figure it out. Mm-hmm. And um, if the reader reads on in this book, I actually argue for my um, ex, my freedom, um, mm-hmm. and make an argument to the jury about mm-hmm. why I did what I did and why it was the right thing to do. So, yes, revenge um, was the power of this book. Now, mm-hmm. another reason I went to Rome and not my brother is my brother would not have come home. Mm. He, he would have done what I did not do. Mm-hmm. So, and I love him too much to let anything like that happen to him. Yes. I, yeah. I mean, what that one, wow. I mean, I, I 100% understand. I, one thing that also made me, 
very attracted to this book attracted to like wanting to do this podcast and have you on is because I my best friend in the whole world is my little brother and Mm I I my best friend and he I remember he used to play he was he's a he played hockey for his entire life and I remember watching his hockey games and seeing like people check him at the hockey game which is like they slam up slam against mm-hmm. the wall or they get into fights you're talking and, to an Alaskan we know those. oh yeah Go ahead. oh yeah. yeah no and I'd be like <laughs> I'd be like oh wow number 13 I know I'll see you I'll see you off the court and we'll fight <laughs> we'll fight I'm like you might be yeah. younger than me but I'll still fight you. Um, no, I mean that 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 idea of just like he's my best friend, he's my little brother. We've yeah. known each other our entire lives. I there's no one in the world I like. There's no one yeah. in the world I would fight I for as like I'd fight for him, and that made me. I like I connected to that in your book, and I also so I understand everything you're saying. And if I was on that jury, I'd be like innocent get her off the she's free free to go free <laughs> to free. go she gets, she gets an applause yeah she gets an applause um, give her money yeah give her some money to like for to compensate travel and any expenses she's had right. um no i mean i think I, when i was there amanda knox was still in prison if i recall but i might be wrong about that go ahead i mean yeah i for the listeners could you and i this mm-hmm. and if you can't this is totally understandable could you give a background on what happened with your brother and sure. uh, a short one so they so they yeah. so they have to read the book and they right. going into the book and going to the podcast they have an idea yeah so we grew up in um the northwest side of chicago um three generations chicago firefighting family um do you need should we take no. a pause here? I don't know if you hear my dog in the no, background. That's good. Well, okay. That adds to the Alaskan <laughs> I will tell you she's barking because there's a bull moose in the yard. So that is a definite Alaskan that's, story. And for our, um, our non-Alaskan listeners, it's probably so cool. Uh-huh. So um, we church was a huge part of our family. My mother was going to be a nun. My dad was going to be a priest. Neither went that route, but they did marry and have seven children. And sent us to Catholic school from first grade on. Um, It was a sign of honor, a badge of honor, if you as a parishioner uh, were befriended by a priest and that priest um, took in your family and would start visiting you. And that was basically the story. My father, in addition to being a fireman um, with seven children, worked maintenance at another church and the priest found my father and basically groomed him to come over and work for him at doing maintenance at our home church um, and groomed him for the reason that children were his real aim. So um, while abuse also happened in the rectory, um, it happened in my brother's bedroom. He would, he would come home, it, he would come over for dinner um, afterward he would go into my brother's room. And when I asked my parents why he's in there, they said, Tim is broken, he needs spiritual counseling. So I think it's fair to say that that went on for two and a half to three years. And when he finished with my brother, um, there were more children to take his place. Wow. And I mean, that's, Wow, there's one. Thank you for sharing that uh, one in your book and two uh, right now on this podcast because I can only imagine how you must feel right now. And I, wow, (laughs) Um, revisiting this and looking back on the history of this, and I can only imagine your family too, looking back, having to like, revisit this with your book too how not you specifically because you were also a child like your brother but how did how must this have how must how how do you think that like writing this book would you know re have a reaction from your family how would your family react to it so um you know, part of the book, if I'm honest, it doesn't just burn the 
priest, it burns the entire generation, like mm -hmm. my parents and my teachers and my parents' friends who should have seen what was obvious yeah. and did not. Um, and my parents have passed away. Um, I will tell you this, I mean, it's, it's in the book, but when my brother was 16, um, he told my father what happened. And my father told him to never speak that way about a priest again. And um, Tim didn't for 20 years. When my father came to the realization of what he did, that was heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. And um, I will say after the, the book kind of chronicles, you know, what happened to what child, who knew what, and mm -hmm. going through it and talking to people at the time, I think a lot of them are feeling relief, actually. You know, the, the, a lot of them now have guilt. And mm -hmm. I think they think it's part of their penance to share their responsibility. Yeah. So um, I know, you know, I when I knew what happened, when I learned my father's role and my mother knew as well, I had no forgiveness in my heart for them. Um, mm -hmm. My brother forgave very early and he said, it just wasn't in their capability. And I will tell you, it took until their death for me to finally forgive them. Mm -hmm. um, but only because I could somewhat put myself in their place and only mm -hmm. because I saw their living Catholics say this, they're living penance here on earth. Mm -hmm. no. I think a lot of people in this generation, mm -hmm. uh, that older generation, I can't, I'm kind of the older generation now. I still think of myself as 20, Lance, so I mean, <laughs> we'll have to what, change. You, you yeah. know what, be 20. You, okay. You're, you're <laughs> be 20. <laughs> I will. Uh, I think there, I, I know in my home parish, um, there's a lot of, it, kind of, I think, excitement. And there, there'll be voices and readers that I really care hearing what they think. So. Yeah. And I, and you know what, I shouldn't have limited it to like family, because this is a whole community of mm -hmm. people affected by this, um, by, mm -hmm. by this, by this man in this, uh, you know, yeah, it just it, the system of abuse. How have you, um, have you prepared for that kind of reaction from your community yet? Yes. So, and I, it's interesting because I've been talking to um, a lot of friends are helping, you know, bring people to my events in Chicago. Mm -hmm. And a number of them say, you know, when you meet this person, you may not know this, but this happened to them and this happened to them. And it made us think that um, we really need to help the audience you know, the direct victims in there. And I was talking to a friend, a very good friend last night. And um, she said, well, why don't you say this to them? Um, there are a lot of ghosts in this room. We know that, but there are a lot of helpers too in physical and spiritual form. Mm -hmm. And I thought about that. And um, that's the preparation I want to give to anyone who listens to this, be it a podcast, a virtual um, book reading, an in-person book reading, or, or reading the book for themselves. Mm -hmm. I know your ghosts, and I know there are helpers there for you too. Mm -hmm. So let's do this together. Yeah. And I think, you know, there that's a community in itself too to like you know it's you know the the community is what got hurt by this but the community community you know might be the one to heal it too like mm -hmm. it's a community is not like you know it doesn't it, it can change it can reshape and yeah help can, each other can i say this one of my greatest fears however is mm -hmm. um this, and, and I think I have an answer to it, but it's still a fear. Mm -hmm. I don't want anybody to think my story is more important than the boys or the young mm -hmm. women that this happened to. This mm -hmm. is their, their story, but the right. 
I spent three years, by the way, trying to learn to tell their, their story. And it took me a while to realize the only story I can tell is my own. Right. Um, so that's why this is my story of what happened to my brother and my family, my community, right. my beautiful city of Chicago. Mm-hmm. But I enter that space very, very humbly and, mm-hmm. um, and realize it it's a different viewpoint i haven't read any books like this i don't know have you mm-hmm. if you have of the kind of the sister this we, we're called secondary victims mm-hmm. you know you throw in the stone and the stone in the in the water and we're the next yeah. uh, circle of harm but mm-hmm. um that's probably the community i'm most concerned about this spring mm-hmm. i'll be going up to bethel alaska which is a town that was decimated by abuse uh, the, the jesuit order sent all their mm-hmm. priests that were abusing people in the lower 48 up to these small alaska native villages mm-hmm. and that's a conversation i am i'm i i, I think the conversation is going to be a lot of silence uh, and mm-hmm. rever- and reverence um, mm-hmm. but that one's very important to me and i mean yeah, no, I, I completely understand you and you wanting to make sure that it's said that it's these, the stories of these victims. And there are, I've seen, maybe not in this specific circumstance, but I've seen some, I've seen stories of secondary victims too. Mm-hmm. And like, for like, um, I think- Lance, like, I need your reading list. You have to send me all these books <laughs> that we talk about. <laughs> I, I 100% will. I mean, okay. there's so many good ones, but I, I think of like TV too. There's a lot of good representation of like pe- family of like alcoholics and drug mm-hmm. addicts and family right. of, and like even what addiction means and what it, what it's like, how it affects like the community as a whole. Um, victims uh, are people who suffered from people who suffer from mental illness and how mm-hmm. like it, their family also has to like come together but it's like it's that's how a community works I think where it's like yeah. one person what well, if one person suffers you know it's a it's a reverb of like all of it, it it does affect everyone around them not as much not to the extent of the victim but like there is if you care about someone their hurt is your hurt yeah some ways you just put me at ease thank you (laughs) (laughs) no I mean and I and I think that there and I don't want to like you know get make you make because I don't think you would want this to be the hero the hero right I do not but there there is something admirable about you also you know not letting them be also the because there's probably a lot of them who don't want to be the face of the story the ones who are dragging their the something that like what they went through like people are going to be criticizing and commenting on it but you in a way put make or like putting yourself as the one who gets criticized and the one who gets commented on and the one who people are going to be in a way that their story also gets to be told which I think that that will be so important for them to see and you get to like you know take on that burden for them in a way and And I like that. Um, And one thing I had to be honest about this book, and I hope the reader finds it is brutally honest about myself. You know, Mm -hmm. what part of me, am I so egotistical that I have to be the great rescuer? I I attacked that part of my character. Mm -hmm. And um, so if I'm going to be on that stage, I want people to know that the self-criticism is is there as well. And people are free to go on top of it because I've dealt with it for years and kind of have an answer, but it's still a good point. I mean, and I don't want to at all. I don't want, I won't, I've, if that answer is internal for you, I don't want to press into that. Yeah. But I, I also, it just, it reminds me of like, there's this episode of for the sitcom friends uh-huh. and i was a huge i'm now coming out as a huge friend a fan of uh, a past huge fan of the show <laughs> friends but there's this episode where they're like there is no they like one of the characters tries to prove that their good deeds can happen you could do something good without like uh benefiting from it and trying to prove another character wrong and like you know they get into this like say commie thing about it but I also think that there's like there is a conversation about that what what makes a good thing you can can Uh there can you do good things and feel good about like yourself in doing it too it's like and I think that that's true two things can exist you're like doing a good thing and 
feeling happy for yourself of doing this good thing for others it's uh it's like uh what is it non there's no non-selfless good deed does that make sense that makes sense yeah Yeah. and also if you say that everything oh i'm not gonna say everything happens for for a reason but yeah you know good can come out of evil that's for sure good can come out of evil and like i i have to imagine your relationship with your brother has also become even closer and mm-hmm. you know changed into something I hope that both of you can like you know look look at and be like oh this is this horrible terrible event happened but at least I found out that I have someone here who will fight for me I'm just, yeah. and like that's that's what's important and I and I get it in the same way of like I would oh I would burn down the world if something happened like that to my brother brother. burn down the world and I mean there's it's it's there's so many things about it I feel like that's also the Catholicism guilt coming Mm -hmm. out the cat that old good old Catholic guilt always around the corner um also pounded to us uh, from a young age but like that it's like there's no and there's no there's no help in and I don't want to say that because it's your journey and you can, you, if this is, I don't want to like make a statement on your behalf, but like, there's but, no good in like, you know, being so critical of yourself in that oh, way too, because that's, you, that's kind, there's no good in it. Cause you're, there's only good in the actions. And so can I tell you my answer of how yes, I kind of, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Um, it's, it's also the same answer um, I think I was mentioned to you earlier that I was telling a friend was asking how you're doing, how I was doing. And I said, mm-hmm. terrified. And she laughed and she said, only part of you is terrified. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's almost the same answer that um, there is part of me that can critically look at what I've done, mm-hmm. um, the place I put myself in. But mm-hmm. if anyone thinks that that act didn't come out of love, then mm-hmm. they don't under that's that's not the story so yeah. i think when you act out of love true love in this case filial love brotherly love mm-hmm. um you're good yeah and so that's that's what that's where i came down yeah. and you can take pride in what you did mm-hmm. pride is you know i'm not gonna fall because of my pride i've got enough like you said uh catholic yeah. Guilt. I just call it the voice in the back of your head that makes yeah. you, you know, look at yourself. Uh, sometimes mm-hmm. it can get really cruel, but other times it can be very, very helpful. Yeah. And that's, yeah. I, that's what a beautiful way to look at it. Love, love. It's, yeah. and I feel like love is also, even when I said at the beginning that like I looked at, I saw the book and I thought revenge, mm-hmm. I, it, there was love there. There was like, I, it's because of the overpowering love that I felt in how I feel about my brother and how I feel about and how our relationship is it's love and that's even that it comes out of love it all and like I just the the uh I love it I love it um and now I want your reading list on books about brother and sisterly (laughs) love I haven't seen a lot of those there's this wonderful book called name all the animals by Allison Mm -hmm. Smith she talks about her, her close relationship with her brother yeah um but I, I think that's something different about this book too. If people are looking for different, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that's one. Yeah. Yeah. And, be, and I, and I will give you that what I think. I'm like, now I'm trying to be like, where is, what is a good book? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, yeah. I will, be I will movies. We can think of movies about it. Yeah. I'm certain there are. There are, there has to be, there has to be so much. Right. Um, there are more brother and brother love. I get that. Yeah, so I, I can right. picture you and your brother together taking oh, the world yeah. by storm. Yeah. No, it, it's so funny. I tell people all the time, me and my brother are complete opposites mm-hmm. and we, there is no reason why we're so close as we are because we're, me and him are having this conversation yesterday and now, but mm-hmm. I'm like, I, I know that makes me that I just, it's so great that two people like me and him who are so different, you know, or have this tight. Yeah type on yeah and I don't know if you can tell I like talking so my brother the complete <laughs> opposite so I, I get it he's wow. he's a quiet force of nature but when he talks you know it, it's yeah. like that E.F. Hutton commercial you want to listen because he's got oh, something wow. to say yeah that's and that's great that's amazing too yeah um I want to talk 
um, about for for a little, I want to talk about your own history, your sure. career as a lawyer, because I feel like there had there there has to have been such direct uh, connection. Even you were bringing up earlier, where you were when you went there, when you went to Rome, you were you were already your lawyer sense was coming in. Like, how do I know what to do in this scenario? And I know these arguments I have, and it's in the book. But I want to hear how like even throughout the entire book your lawyer sense like I feel like that's my, sure. my the lawyer version of a spidey sense your lawyer sense came into play <laughs> um sure so uh, almost everything about me <laughs> goes back to my family but growing up in a family of seven you know one of the nice things back then is we all sat down to eat together but mm -hmm my father and I could clear the table because he would take a very conservative viewpoint. I would take a liberal. We were yelling at each other and everyone would leave the table. And then he and I got to eat dessert alone. You know, it was a, <laughs> it was a lovely, lovely relationship in that way. Mm -hmm. um, which also is why I have, I politically, I, I love everyone because I, I know mm -hmm. people have different viewpoints on things, but mm -hmm. it's like, oh, I think I can argue, you know, so that's the beginning of, of lawyer Joan. Um, mm -hmm. it, it came from family <laughs> and my career, I, I grew up in Chicago. I went to Northwestern University for undergrad. I uh, think I was mentioning earlier that I figured out I was a country mouse born in a city mouse's yes. body very early in my life. And I came up to Alaska at the age of 21. Um, I became a, I took my college degree and became a dog musher and a fish slimer. So I, I did a great job with that. And then I uh, went to graduate school to study jurisprudence and social policy because I liked the react, the relation between law and history. When does history, mm -hmm. lead, when do people lead? lead the law? When does law lead people? Um, right. Throughout that process, I realized I wasn't a ivory tower person and there was only one place I wanted to live. And, you know, I didn't want to go on the whole university searches for jobs. So I switched over, got my law degree and mm -hmm. have been practicing now for 25 years. Wow. Um, I've been in, you know, uh, at the time of this book, I was associate mm -hmm. in a national law firm. Mm -hmm. um, I've been a chief ethics officer for a hospital. Um, mm -hmm. I've been a prosecutor. I, I spend, my passion, however, is in public service. So I'd say the majority of my career and where it ends um, and where it will end when I retire and after my daughter graduates a long time mm -hmm. from now is as an, uh, an assistant attorney general for the state of Alaska. Um, wow. In that capacity, I've prosecuted, uh, I luckily get to continue to be in the courtroom prosecuting Medicaid fraud. If people know the hoverboard wow. dentist's case, um, Google it. It, it, was, <laughs> it was on every every comedy uh, show, every Jimmy Kimmel, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, that was my case. And now I currently, because I've been practicing law for so long, it's really important to do new things. And I currently represent mm -hmm. Uh, two boards in Alaska, and I call them the vice boards. I represent mm. the marijuana control board and the alcoholic <laughs> beverage control board. And it's so fun. It's so fun. Wow. Um, so that's what I do now. And I throw in some prosecution just to keep me in the courtroom. Is, is that what you were wondering? Yeah. And like, yeah. yes, your background, but also like when you were throughout the book, how did uh -huh. you, how did, because I imagine like you came at it as a sister, as a person who yeah. loves this, loves your brother and wants to see justice done, but also as a lawyer who did, did was there any part of you as a lawyer that was like, I also want to see justice done in okay. this sense too? Yeah, um, I could think. So a important part of the story was first doing the fact finding, you know, mm -hmm. the, the, the putting together the case. Mm -hmm. um, and that case would include what happened to my brother, what happened to the other boys, what happens mm -hmm. to boys I, I continue, I continue to hear about. Mm -hmm. So enough to say, yes, this happened without any degree of doubt, you know, mm -hmm. not even reasonable doubt. No, no degree of doubt, right. um, which made, made it important. Um, and then when it came to kind of put to what degree was my lawyer skills there 
I, in my confrontation, I wrote how the questions I would be asking much in the same fashion, I might be able to ask a question of a criminal offender who didn't take the Fifth Amendment, you know, mm. you know, what, when, and when you did this, and why did you do this, and how did you do this? Mm -hmm. um, so, and when it came to points in the conversation where there was um, not the reaction I expected, the, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the litigator came out and took that moment by storm. So mm -hmm. um, it's the, the fact gathering. Another thing I did is I had this old mentor, he's passed away, but he used to always say, after you build up your case, you have to break it down. You know, you have to, you have to take it down yourself. So after I built up my case, I broke down, broke it down, found every weakness in it and built it up with, with supporting facts. Um, I always knew that I, I went to Rome knowing, you know, some people are like, did you know it would be a story? I went to Rome knowing this would be a story. I presented myself to the priest in a way that um, made him think I was probably a very, very nice person. Um, but my intent was to tell the story. And in telling it, telling his version of the story, at least the parts that he wanted to tell, say. So someone will read this and hear his rendition. Um, do I agree with his rendition? Mm -hmm. No, I do not. Mm -hmm. But it's but the fairness is there. And like, if, if you're going to accuse someone, give them their moment. And as a lawyer, fairness is very important to me, especially as a government lawyer, because the government has so much power over individuals. So I want due process for everyone. Um, and there, and then you know, writing my closing argument to get out of <laughs> get out of Kanani uh, prison there in central Rome, if yeah, if needed. Yeah, and I mean, yeah. again, put me on that jury, and I will. <laughs> Advocate. I will no I'm good I'm gonna look for you Lance yeah. yes please yeah, please, yeah, please, I, please that would be fun wouldn't it when you when yeah. you commit a crime you could just call your friends it's like yeah. okay all right Lance I, mean, I want you <laughs> let's go yeah. to the Supreme Court let's bring this let's bring this up with them I think yeah. that we have I think we have a powerful powerful um case for doing that um but that's only because I just watched seven seasons of The Good Wife so I very good I think I have I get it. in my head I the same way that like watching Grey's and watching all of Grey's Anatomy uh -huh. makes me think I'm a doctor. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I was drinking water when you said that. Yeah, I <laughs> no, think I, I told you I watched 15 seasons of Criminal Minds, so I yeah. am a I'm I'm very good. I know what an unsub is now. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Between us, we are a doctor, a lawyer, <laughs> an investigator. Like, We've let's do covered. this. Yeah. We got it all covered. Yeah. Uh, no. Um. Sadly, sadly, we have to finish up soon. Okay. And I'm so sad because this has been such a fantastic conversation. Um, but the last thing, the last thing I want to, I want to ask you, and I, it's kind of a question um, for you, but also to bring to the audience in the audience of this podcast and the audience of your book, what in this, what out of all this evil, out of everything that happened, and even this evil that one is sadly continuing to persist and mm -hmm. is being, but hopefully being, you know, revealed, there's this truth being uncovered, but also these lives, these, this trauma being re rehashed and brought up for a lot of people who have repressed or done whatever they can to try and forget this. And now their right. family, their families are having to like deal with their own, like, what, no matter what kind of complicity it is, there some way where they were either turned a blind eye or just didn't realize what was happening to a family member or some people like who were too young to even, who couldn't do anything to help people. Mm -hmm. what, what can you give them that can, and this is such a broad group Go of ahead. people I'm asking, but what could you give them in terms of comfort for how it can how it can look going forward. Okay. Let me pause a second while I think of my yeah, response. No problem. Um, because it's important. You know, 
recently talking to my, Tim, my, my brother, Tim, someone asked him a question about um, what happened to him. And he said, uh, I would, you know, I would pay a million dollars to get my childhood back. I would, I, I would pay any amount. Um, and obviously that's, that's not something he can do. Any mm -hmm. of us can do what we have from the sister who watched a wrong from the, let's start with the, the direct victim, the mm -hmm. sister who watched a wrong, a parent who realized their responsibility, a teacher who realized their failures, um, someone who wouldn't know as a youth, wouldn't know the story until they were, you know, 20 years later confronting mm -hmm. this is human resilience. That's, that's the, that's, that's the tool that allows good to come from suffering. Mm -hmm. And with a little faith in yourself and from whatever source you get that faith, I still get it from God. Um, good can come from evil because resi all resilience wants is the ability to make change. And if there's any good to come from the evil of what happened to my brother, you know, in the telling of this story is, I want people to know we're here. We're still mm -hmm. here and we see us and we'll see you and let's all do our best to achieve my brother's aim, mm -hmm. you know, whether by a priest, a parent, a teacher, a coach, let's not turn our eyes anymore. Let's keep them wide open. Let's open the doors. You know, yeah, I sat there as a child in the hallway, looking at my brother's door knowing something was wrong let's open the door and we all have that power wow what a i mean what a powerful 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 thing to say and i hope anyone listening who needed to hear that please and can pass please pass it around to anyone you know who can hear that just because those are words i think anyone and anywhere you know can benefit from hearing because yeah the human resilience the 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 human resilience the fact we can change and the fact that we can you know good does persist over evil is yeah. so important to hear it's it's so important to hear and, and you know we talked about revenge can i interrupt you just a second yeah. which is um what I really, there's an arc of this book from revenge to something else. And, and that's what I'm interested in the reader finding out because mm -hmm. what that arc is, is I, something I think we're all capable of. And I think mm -hmm. we're capable of it because of re resilience. Yes. So I'll leave it a little open-ended like that, maybe to, <laughs> to keep people curious, but. Yes. I mean, yeah. they should, if their interests aren't peaked, I, I don't understand it because I <laughs> feel like you all should be running to the closest bookstore right now to go grab a copy of this book because it's, wow, what a, what a fantastic, fantastic book. And I can't wait for the um, movie adaptation where I'm seeing like, like Nicole Kidman with a gun in her hand heading to Rome and. Uh, <laughs> well, I, yeah, I'm trying to remember the name of the woman who plays Prentice in Criminal Minds because that was the one I always thought I wanted to betray me. So, oh my God. so let's let's yeah. go to Hollywood. Let's get this made because I okay. And, but in that action, I I feel like we should go the full revenge route. Um, okay, because, that's yeah. all right. That's why yeah. that's why TV is different than. Um, then we, fiction yeah, yeah. yeah ex exactly yeah. um no i mean not yeah non-fiction <laughs> non <-fiction. laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah 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 no you're right um yeah. no thank you so much joan this has been a wonderful wonderful recording and i'm so happy we were able to you know i'm so happy we could get you i wanted i we uh, a little inside the podcast process listeners this podcast has been in uh the work since what the spring yeah yeah, yeah. April, no, May, probably April, May. Yeah. And we, 
I mean, I've been looking forward to this since then. So thank you, thank you, thank yeah. you so much, Joan. And uh, to my listeners, go out and buy this book. When this episode comes up, you should, this, you'll, the book will be available everywhere. Um, the book will be available to buy. Go to your local bookstore. They'll have it there. Come to Skylight. We'll have it right on display in our podcast display. So please, 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 please come and grab a copy. I I can come into Skylight and sign a few when I'm there in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. And so get a a signed copy guys. You, wow. You can't get better than that. You, you can't, you can't. Oh no. Joan, do you have any last things you would like to say to our listeners in the independent bookstore community? Well, you know, I, you know, talked a lot here about being a lawyer, but one thing I um, call myself first is a writer. And I think you have to own it. And I think there are a lot of artists out there that if they have another job, they don't own who they actually are in their heart. So to every listener, um, you are an artist and pursue your art and your passion. Um, To independent bookstores, there are so many books in the world Thanks for uh, keeping our stories alive, including the story of someone who, you know, is having their first book after a long, long time achieving a long sought dream. Um, Support your independent bookstore. And to you, Lance, I feel like I made a new friend. So thank you for bringing this story to your listeners. No, and I feel like I made a new friend too. And I'm so happy to, I'm so happy that when we got to I, this is one of those, what we're talking about is obviously a good thing because I'm so happy one that I got to like, I get to like help get the stories to people to reach to the ears of people who, you know, might not have come to the bookstore to grab it. And, but two, I'm glad I made a new friend selfishly. (laughs) I'm glad I selfishly made a new friend today, but um, (laughs) no, thank you so much, Joan. And thank you to all the listeners out there. You have a, go do something nice for yourself today. Go, even if it's as small as going for a walk, do something nice and, you know, have a great and beautiful rest of your day. And, you know, have just, just, I love you all. That's what I want to say. Love all my listeners out there. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Skylight Books podcast series. Please don't forget to visit our website at skylightbooks.com and make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for more author talks and bookseller conversations. You can find us on Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. Stay safe and healthy, and we hope to see you back in our store soon.